Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's good to be with you. We miss our brother Andrew in St. Louis. You took him from us. Amen. But we are, we are great. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. Again, the passage that I'm speaking on is Philippians 1, 12 through 14. And the topic I'm calling the message is pressing on in advancing the gospel. Pressing on in advancing the gospel and thinking about the theme of the missions week, which is pressing on, uh, pulling from that passage in Philippians 3, verse 14. As we think about just the last couple of years, and the things that have happened in our world the last couple of years, there's lots of reasons that we've had to need to press on. If you just think about two years ago, right, I, I was thinking, well, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks, we'll be past this pandemic, and then things will get back to normal. And that was two years ago. Think about that. Many of us have suffered from the, that pandemic. Many of us have suffered from COVID. Many of us have lost people from COVID. Many of us... <laughs> have been involved in controversies about whether to wear masks or wear, whether to not wear masks. But also in the midst of that time, there's been social unrest in our own country at the, the murder of unarmed black men and some of the controversies surrounding that. And then even if you think about it, there's been division, not just in the country, but in the church over how to respond to those things. There was actually a presidential election. Do you remember that? Within... <laughs> the last couple of years. So lots of reasons to press on. And again, I was thinking, and I don't know if you guys fell into this, I was thinking that once we get past some of this uh, adversity that's going on, then we'll really be able to uh, advance the gospel. Once we get past this, well, I don't know if maybe this is the new normal. And so what would Paul's audience say? Surely they were feeling similar things thinking about the things that Paul is going through, and maybe they're wondering if the gospel is going to be hindered in its advancement. And so what did Paul have to say to them? And what can we take away from that and learn that can apply to us in advancing the gospel and pressing on in advancing the gospel now? And so there's two things. There's an outline in your bulletin. Only two points today. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be shorter, but I'll do my best. So we want to look just quickly at what the passage says about the instrument for advancing the gospel and then the impact of advancing the gospel. So first of all, the instrument for advancing the gospel. What is that instrument? Well, let's look. Verse 12, what does it say? He begins saying, I want you to know, brothers or brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, and what is it that's happened to Paul? Where is he writing from? He's writing this from a Roman prison because of preaching the gospel. But then look at what he says. This is actually kind of surprising. He says, what has happened to me has really, and that means instead of, instead of what you might think is going on, he says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me being thrown in prison, the suffering that I'm going through has really served to advance the gospel. And that word that's translated advance, it means, to, it means a forward movement in spite of obstacles. And actually, there might be a play on words here. There's a Greek word that's translated advance that is prokope. But there's another word that just adds in one letter, proskope. And you know what that means? It means hindrance. 
And so what Paul is saying is you all thought, because I'm in prison, because of all the things that I'm going through, that this was proscope, this was a hindrance to the advancement of the gospel. But what he's saying is it's really prokope. It is really an advance of the gospel. The gospel is advancing, and what is the instrument for the advancement of the gospel? The instrument for the advance of the gospel we see here is adversity. Here, adversity is not a hindrance to the advancement of the gospel. Adversity is the instrument for its advancement. Just a couple of years ago, I was asked to to speak at a conference at Covenant Seminary, and the theme of the conference was advancing the gospel through adversity. And And I was one of the speakers, and they said, you have to speak on this passage. Philippians 1, 12 to 14, and I glanced at it quickly, and and my first thought about the passage was, oh, that means the gospel is advancing in spite of adversity, in spite of suffering, or maybe the gospel is advancing even in the midst of suffering. But as I studied it and got in closer, that's not what it's saying at all. It's saying more than that. It's not saying that the gospel is advancing in spite of adversity or even in the midst of adversity. It is saying that the gospel is advancing through the adversity. That is the very means. That is the instrument of the gospel's advancement. It is adversity. And so you say, well, is that just unusual? Is that just a coincidence? Maybe Paul is being delusional when he's saying that. Well, well, maybe so, but you see it elsewhere in the scriptures. If you just look at the book of Acts, remember that verse that, that we all might know from Acts chapter 1, where it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then what? You will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that is from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But as you're reading through Acts, it's not until Acts chapter 8, verse 1, that the gospel actually leaves Jerusalem and goes to Judea and Samaria. And why does it? They're scattered because of persecution. It's because of adversity. Not just in spite of adversity, but through the adversity. The gospel advances. If you look at Paul's call in Acts chapter 9, when the Lord is speaking to Ananias and saying, no, Ananias, it's all right. You can go see this crazy man now. I'm changing him. This is my chosen instrument to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And in the very same breath, he says, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then if you fast forward to Acts chapter 16, what do you have there? The very founding of this church in Philippi. And how does that church begin? Who are the people that God uses through Paul and Silas to begin that church? There's Lydia, and then there's a slave girl whom Paul casts out a demon and, and what happens when he casts out the demon? The people get mad because uh, their, their means of employment or their means of advancement is taken away. And so they have Paul beaten with rods and thrown in prison. And there in the prison, he leads the Philippian jailer to the Lord and his whole household. The beginning of this Philippian church happens not just in spite of adversity, not just in the midst of adversity, but that is the very means of its advancement. And that same thing is true for us. Adversity is the instrument for the advancement of the gospel. Now, how, do, how can we apply that before we go on? One is praise God. <laughs> praise God as we think about our own stories. 
Think about the story of this church. Think about the stories that maybe we've heard over this week of the missionaries and hearing what God is doing on the mission fields. Think about your own story, your own life, and look back and think about how God has used adversity to bring you to himself, how he's used adversity to change you, to make you more like Christ. And so praise God for how he's done that. But not only that, grieve and lament the adversity that's come. On the one hand, as we say, adversity is the the means of the gospel's advancement. That doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. And we can try and pretend like it does and say, well, God used it and, and then be in some kind of denial in our own hearts about how much it really hurts. But we can freely come and grieve and lament the painful things, the suffering that have come, that has come, that maybe is present even in our hearts right now. And God is so good, he's big enough to handle that. That's one of the reasons I love the Psalms, because it gives us the language to on the one hand say that our God is a God whose steadfast love endures forever, but however we feel and whatever we come with, we can bring that before him. And so as I'm saying that the adversity is the instrument of the gospel's advancement, I'm not saying don't grieve and lament the things that bring tears to your eyes. Bring those very things to God. And then finally, how else can we apply this idea that adversity is the instrument of the gospel's advancement? Is just think about the places of adversity that you're facing right now. We can think about Ukraine and Russia and what's going on in the world. Think about what's going on here in Grand Rapids. Think about what's going on in your own church or even in your own life. Could it be that Almighty God might be working in those situations to not just save you from your suffering, but even to save you and to save others through that suffering? Could it be that those very places of adversity that you come in with that weigh our hearts down even now as we sit within this room, those can be the places that God uses to bring opportunities for the gospel's advancement. Now let's move on. Secondly, not only do we see here the instrument of the advancing of the gospel, but we also see the impact of, the advancing, of advancing the gospel. What is the impact here in this passage? Well, let's look at first, verse 13. And first, we see the impact among unbelievers. What is the impact among unbelievers, verse 13, so that it has become known, and then, and then listen to this, throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest. And so what's the imperial guard? Now that could be referring to a place, the place that's really Caesar's residence, or it could be referring, and it's probably referring to both, the elite group of soldiers that attend to Caesar himself, maybe about 9,000 of them this elite group. And here Paul is saying that the gospel is being heard. The gospel is reaching this group of people. Now stop and think about that. How else could God have gotten, have Paul have gotten the gospel to reach this group of people? Could he just showed up at the door of the palace? Hold on, I'd like to see Caesar to tell him about Jesus. Can I come in? How else could he have had access 
to this elite group of soldiers. But yet here he is. And, and, and so they come in shifts. And he's able to tell them the reason of his imprisonment. What does he say here? The reason for my imprisonment, I am in chains, not in the chains of Rome. I am in chains for Christ. And he's here saying, I'm not just a citizen of Rome, but I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I am a servant under the lordship, not of the Lord Caesar, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's some of his cell talk as he's there describing, what are you in for? I'm here because of Jesus Christ. And so he gets access to people that he never would have had access to. So contrary, imagine you're in the Philippian church and you're concerned about Paul and you're hearing what's happened and he's in prison. You think you're worried about him, right? You're worried about what he's suffering, but you're also worried that the gospel is not going to advance anymore. But yet here you see the gospel's advancing in places where maybe it never could have gone had it not gone through that adversity. Andrew mentioned that I was a pastor in Baltimore for 13 years, and one of the things that would happen is I would be asked to do funerals, um, sometimes for people that I didn't know, right? There are people that didn't have church homes, and, and maybe they were connected with somebody from our church, and so I'd end up doing funerals sometimes um, because of this. And I remember one in particular, I did a funeral for a young man, about 30 years old, who had been shot and killed tragically on the streets of our neighborhood. And they didn't have a church home, um, but somebody in his family was related to someone in our church. And, uh, and so I got asked to do the funeral. And I remember standing up to preach, and I stood up, and, the, and, and it's a room like this. It wasn't in a church, it was in a funeral home, because they didn't have a church. But imagine this room, it's just packed with people, most of them between the ages of 16 and 30. Standing room only in this crowd. And the first thing that I said is, I said, guys, you don't have to leave. Why would I say that? Because a lot of times I've been to those funerals, and when the pastor would get up to speak, people would stand up and walk out. And you say, why would they walk out? That's so disrespectful. Well, actually, what would happen, and I had done this, actually, in some of my younger days, is the pastor would say to himself, you know what, I'm never going to have an opportunity like this to be in a room of folks who don't usually go to church. And I'm going to tell them all the things they need to hear right now. And so you get up and you start off saying, you know what, you guys need to stop doing this. You need to get off the corner, stop with all the violence, stop doing this, stop doing that. And everybody just gets up and walks out. So by the time you get to telling them about Jesus, there's nobody else there except the church people. And then the church people are saying, oh, you know, those guys are so disrespectful. They just got up and left. It's because the pastor chased them out. And I had done that. And so this particular time, I tried to learn from my own mistakes and say, guys, you don't have to leave because I'm not going to beat you up. And I got the privilege of telling them the good news of Jesus Christ, and most of them stayed. But where else would we have had that opportunity to share the gospel in that context, apart from going through this adversity, this is some of the impact among unbelievers. If you just think about the last couple of years, hasn't God given you opportunities that you never would have imagined, you never saw coming? He gave you conversations 
with people you never thought that that would go there. He gave you access to people maybe you never thought that you'd be in relationship with in the midst of this adversity. So this is the gospel's impact among unbelievers. But what else? What about the gospel's impact among believers? Well, we see that in verse 14. Now here he says, and most of the brothers, and then look at what happens to them. It says, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. In other words, they're looking at, they're saying, look at God. Paul is in jail for preaching the gospel, and God is moving. You can chain up the messenger, but you can't chain up the message of the gospel. And so the gospel is advancing, even though he's going through all of this suffering and adversity. And so they were encouraged. And what resulted? What does he say? He says they were much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so they're looking at what's happening with Paul, and they're saying, wait a minute. If God can do that in the midst of that adversity that he's going through, then maybe, just maybe, God can also work in the midst of the adversity that we're going through. And actually, Paul told him that you're going to suffer too. In in chapter 1, you keep reading through Philippians. One of the things he says, it has been given to you. Literally, it's it has been graced to you. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his name. And so Paul is saying that this is a part of following Jesus. And he says this to encourage them, and it emboldens them. In the book of Acts, after Peter is miraculously released from prison, you remember that scene where he goes with the believers and they gather together in prayer. And what they pray for in the midst of the persecution that starts to come is not for protection, even though surely they are shaken by it. Surely they're afraid. Surely some of them are hurt. Some of them would lose their lives. But what they pray for is boldness, to be able to proclaim the gospel with boldness. And that's exactly what God gives them. And that's what they do. And the message of the gospel spreads more and more. This is the impact of the gospel among unbelievers and believers. So what can you take away? What about the the impact among believers? What can you take away? One thing is to pray, but to pray not just for protection, not just for healing, but also for boldness, that God would give us opportunities and God would give us courage to step into the opportunities that he provides for sharing the gospel. But then another thing, and we've kind of done this, right, during the course of the missions week, is that is to share testimony of what it is God is doing. Haven't you been somewhere and heard somebody else give testimony of God's work, and your heart is just encouraged and lifted and emboldened? It's so important for us to share with one another and to hear the testimonies of God's work among the people around us. It's so encouraging. Just, um, just two weeks ago, I tell you this story happened in our church. Um, a young man, 16 years old, came to my office late one afternoon, and he said, um, Pastor Thurman, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. And so I'm thinking in my mind a couple things. I'm thinking, well, maybe he's in trouble and he wants to talk about that, or, or maybe he's going through something and he wants to pray or needs some counsel or something like that. But he comes And he says, Pastor Thurman, I want to come to know Jesus. 
I want to know God. I said, tell me more about that. And he, and, he, and he does, and he tells me, and so we pray, and, and he, he invites Christ in his life. He's excited, all of these things. Well, well, what you don't understand is that for three or four years, people in our church have been pouring into this guy, and he's involved with a, like a youth training program that's connected with our church. And so they, they've prayed for this guy. They've encouraged him. They've loved on him for three years. And then maybe six months earlier, he started coming to, his, to our church, he and his brother. And you know why? Because of my pastoral brilliance? No. Because they started dating these two sisters <laughs> who came to our church, and the sisters told him, we're not going to go out with you unless you come to church with us. And that's how he came. Hey, whatever it takes, I don't care. That's fine. And that young man came to Christ, and then his brother did earlier this week. And so I got a chance to tell the people who've been working with them for three years, and they just rejoice. They rejoice because of what God did, because of all the prayers and all the work and all the suffering and all the love and all of those things. Their hearts are encouraged as they hear the work of what God did. We've got to tell each other the story. This is the impact of advancing the gospel. And what is the instrument of advancing the gospel? It is adversity. So what do we do with all of this, just as I get ready to close? Well, you know, Paul's desire here for them, and I'm sure his desire for us, would be not just to, to give a missions update and report and have us walk away and say, wow, that's great that God is doing that with you. His encouragement in sharing this is because he wanted them to be encouraged to enter in more and more in what God is doing among them. And I'm sure that's what he would want with us today, to enter in more and more to what God is doing. And so you say, well, how can I press on? Because I'm tired, Pastor. I'm discouraged, Pastor. I've been doing this. I'm afraid, Pastor. I've been doing, I'm beating my head against the wall, Pastor. How in the world can I find strength to do this? I'm not Paul. None of us are. But the call isn't to be like Paul. The call is to look to the one to whom Paul was looking to in the first place. You say, where do I get the power to be able to do what Paul did? Well, where did Paul get it from? It wasn't from himself. The gospel itself is a story of what? of how Jesus Christ went through the worst adversity ever to bring about the ultimate advancement of the gospel. And so look to the one to whom Paul looked. Who is that? Jesus Christ himself. What is the instrument of the, the creation of the gospel itself? It is that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The instrument of the gospel is the, the message of the cross. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the very power of God. And it's good news among, un wait, somebody said amen out loud. Amen. <laughs> it's the instrument of advancement of the gospel through, for unbelievers, so everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. 
And it's encouragement to every believer because it's not just those guys in Acts chapter 1, but also us when we will receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we're his witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our Judeas and Samarias, and to the winds of the very earth. And so let us press on in the advancing of the gospel, but let us do so with our eyes fixed upon the one we just read about a little earlier, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the very joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where you know what he does? He intercedes for us that we might press on for the advancement of the gospel here and throughout the world. And so run to him, rest in him today, rejoice in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the good news, who is the gospel. The gospel comes about or came about because of his great adversity of suffering on a cross and bearing the wrath of God upon himself. And the instrument of the gospel is proclaiming, excuse me, the impact of that gospel brings unbelievers to life and gives us great power as believers to proclaim that message. So help us to do that. Lord, if there's anybody that's come today that doesn't know you, I pray even now, like those young men in my office, they might cry out to you that they might be saved, and I pray that you would do it through faith in Jesus Christ. For the rest of us, encourage us, strengthen us, embolden us, that we might press on in the advancement of the gospel here and throughout all the world. All this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.